0: The say necessity is the mother of all invention. Well, let's apply that thought process to the world of higher education. We're thinking about change. We're talking about change. The pandemic has just occurred and we're all thinking, do we even have the resources to get there? But wait a second, there's too many students that we have to serve. Maybe we should just stay on this conservative path. Well. Staying on a conservative path is not necessarily going to get us there. We have to think big. We have to be creative. And necessity has to be the mother of new invention. I'm Hector H. Lopez. Today on the FutureX Podcast, we welcome higher ed changemaker, Chancellor Stephen Gonzalez of Maricopa County Community College to the very first of a series of discussions where we tackle how do you get there in a world with limited resources and many students to serve? If there's anyone who can discuss this, it's Chancellor Gonzalez, as he serves over 200,000 at his colleges. There is no doubt that community colleges have a unique insight into the future of higher education. Let's jump into the first part of the discussion with Matt Alex, I'm really
1: excited to have Dr. Gonzalez here. Uh, he leads um, 10 colleges in Arizona and has is serving who is serving 200,000 students. Just to put that in context, the largest universities are serving around 53 to 55,000 in terms of your. Um, your institutions like Ohio State and University of Texas, they're, they're in the high 40,000s 40, 40, or, or um, low 50s. Um, Dr. Gonzalez's institution is serving uh, 200,000. So the, the amount of impact they're making uh, is incredible. So today we are uh, going to be speaking to him, and I got to get to know him um, about a year ago after I did a keynote speech Uh, around the future of higher ed. And he was one of the presidents and chancellors in the audience. And he reached out to me and said, you know, everything you're talking about is what I believe that we should be really focused on in my campus. And he and I have just built a a relationship where we are just uh, able to talk about the future of education, the future of higher ed. And um, the fact that he is leading these 10 campuses is a really important impact to his community as well as for higher ed. So today we're going to be speaking about what the role of, of higher ed is to the market. You know, what is the role of Maricopa to that market? Um, we're also going to, you know, reach and talk into what is the pandemic and how has that impacted and what has that taught us as we move forward? And then others have have chimed in in terms of you know, what is the future models of education? You know, is it online? Is it polysynchronous? And and have discussions like that. And I also want to talk about how does an organization like uh, Maricopa unite and bring consensus together uh, around, you know, one Maricopa so that you are pushing towards the same goals and, and driving towards the impact that you really need to make. So we're really excited about all the topics we're going to be talking about. I have uh our usual suspects as our moderators. We have Hector uh and Christine and, and uh Dr. Givens here, who usually help me and lead these conversations much more than I. So I'm really excited to have them here. I'm gonna stop and just give you a little bit of insight for about Dr. Gonzalez. Um Dr. Gonzalez is a, a graduate of Northern Arizona University, and he also uh, got his bachelor's there, but then he also went to University of Texas, Austin and got his PhD. Um, when I think of um, Dr. Gonzalez, the words that I would use is he's humble. He's soft spoken. He is an advocate. Uh, he's driven by empathy. And the reason that I know this is when I'm talking to him about his campus, he always talks about everyone else he's serving and what they need in their market and what do they need at their campuses. Um, he is not institution-centric. He is human-centric. And it's something that I think uh, when you listen to him, you'll start to recognize that. So let me uh, stop there. Let me invite uh, Dr. Gonzalez to just maybe tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what drew, drove you into higher ed.
2: I'm honored to, to be able to, to do this. And I, I really, this is a really interesting platform for me. And if it's, you know, screaming what the future might be about, um, it, it makes it even all the more exciting for me. So, um, I, you know, people often ask me that question that I ever think I was going to be a college president or a chancellor of one of the largest community college systems in a country. And my, my answer is, my response to that is always no, um, I went, all through high school, I used to say I wanted to be a civil engineer and work on the design of bridges, dams and airports and things like that. And, um, but life has got a way of, of, and of presenting opportunities that you just hadn't thought about. And so, um, I, I I changed from an engineering major to a pure math mathematics major, um, and I felt at that time this would have been in the early 90s that they were attempting to to convert me into a computer scientist. And not that I have anything against computer scientists, but it wasn't for me. And so um, I, I I then began to really consider math education, and that's where I started. Um, after teaching a couple years of high school mathematics at a, at the high school that I graduated from. Um, I'd also came to the conclusion that that wasn't something that I could do as long as my favorite math teacher and mentor had done. He, he had been in the classroom for nearly 40 years and I had to think about what was going to be my next step. And uh, I grew up about 10 miles from our local community college. And I always thought that it would be really nice to be out there teaching at that level, working with that population of students. And that's kind of how that journey started. Um, and uh, the, the person who hired me out there, Uh, shared early on that I probably would be asked to do many things um, beyond teaching and that I would really have opportunities that maybe others might not Um, and so maybe he saw something in me that I still hadn't realized and seen at that point but you know through through a lot of hard work and through some sacrifices for sure um, some great mentors um, continuing my own education um, and then just you know, doing the job with uh, sincere passion and integrity. Uh, it's funny how these opportunities have come open. Um, many of the jobs I, I've had, I didn't have to apply for; I was put into the role. And others, uh, when I have applied, I've, I've been successful. Um, but here I sit again at the at the top of this organization. Um, never thought eight years ago when I took the presidency at Gateway that I might be sitting in this office running this really large organization. Um, But once I arrive, you know, I always appreciate the challenge that it presents. um, And I feel that I've been prepared through uh, the experience and education that I've had. And of course, I've learned a lot through many mistakes I've made along the way, because none of us are are perfect in the jobs that we do.
0: Chancellor Gonzalez, it's it's really refreshing to hear you give a little bit about your background and how you felt coming up in terms of whether or not you were going to end up here in the position that you're in today. Um, And you find yourself in this position at a particular moment in time where there is vast change going on in the world of higher education. Um, there have been a lot of conversations, particularly recently, post-pandemic, about where higher education stands today and what it must do to better serve our future. And, you know, it's a very broad question because the future could include, you know, the demographics we're now serving, the future could include different technological resources to serve that future we can go on and on as you look at things from your position as a chancellor in a two-year system how do you see the future role of higher education what do you see are the major pieces that you're consistently looking at in terms of your north star when it comes to the future and innovation
2: oh boy that's that's a Pretty big question, and um, those, that's certainly something that's constantly on my mind. As, as the leader of this organization, is how do we move forward? Um, I sat in on the on a presentation that was done by um, I, I think it was the Institute for the Future um, out of California, and one of the things that stuck with me in that presentation is that if you pay attention, the future will send signals to where we currently are and what you should be thinking about doing. Um, And in that particular conversation, it had to do with the future of work and um, artificial intelligence and automation. And so since that presentation, I I try to sit in this role that I'm in and look for the signals that the future is sending us today in higher ed. Um, Well, that was a pre-pandemic thought. And I want to couple that with this 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 adage that I think that we've all heard many times in that um, how does it go that necessity is the mother of invention and we all knew here in Maricopa that we needed to change our ways in the ways that we uh, deliver education the ways that we work um, the ways that the ways that we serve our communities we all knew we needed to change but there wasn't either the the, the the gumption to do it the knowledge the path uh to do it and some had used our size as an excuse to say maricopa is too too big to move you know it's the it's the the carrier out in the ocean um that needs miles and miles to to, to pivot its direction but the pandemic changed that immediately and by the way i i came into this role on january 25th of 2020 I had about five or six weeks of it being the normal job that it was, and then the and then we all we pretty much hadn't returned since uh, spring break of 2020. Um, that was the uh, the necessity for us to drive some of the. Uh, innovation that we're seeing today suddenly professors were faced with having to move from teaching face to face to online some were adept at doing that some had never ever done that some had never even adopted our course management learning systems that we use Uh, had refused to do it for whatever reason Um, but suddenly they were forced to do it so um, we had to figure it out very very quickly And um, the other thing that this pandemic has really shown a line on for us is our our role and responsibility in this community to continue to not only be the largest uh, developer of, of, of workforce and to help drive the economy, but we need to lead that because. Much of what it's going to take to, to return from the pandemic, to, to help elevate this economy, to get people back to work in, in, uh, in jobs that are, just, that are paying beyond uh, the minimum wage. The community college system here in the state of Arizona, and for that matter across the country, is going to need to be the sector in higher education that drives that recovery. I'm not going to say that universities don't play a role or, you know, liberal colleges and other colleges don't play a role. They certainly do. But if we're looking to do this in a hurry, we're going to need to be the ones to drive that change quickly.
0: How in particular is Maricopa doing this? How are you... Uh, looking at things in terms of where to go to affect these changes if that's where the the institution is going is there particular technologies are there particular models that you're considering in terms of tangible roadmap to where others could look places that you're looking right now what would they be
2: let me also give you a little bit more context about maricopa um Maricopa Community College District is certainly the largest in the state, followed by Pima Community College District, which is located in Pima County, and Tucson is the hub for that county. We're two counties, we're two community college systems in a state that receive receive zero funding from our state. Um, they find other ways to give it to us but we can't count on our state to provide that regular allotment so we've again the, the you know, <laughs> the mother of invention has been the necessity in that is that the lack of state funding means that we've got to get creative in how we find um, ways to support this institution our primary legs of resources for the uh, for our organization are property tax and tuition and so the pandemic has been extremely difficult on us because we've experienced a 15% decrease in enrollment, which means that we've seen probably up to a 3% reduction in revenue as a result of, of the loss of that enrollment. Um, so, the model that I would suggest and the one that we're finding success with is to look for industry partners. If we're going to change workforce, then we need to partner with those that, um, to where our graduates are going to go into, either while they're working, whether in school or shortly thereafter, and, and go into the workforce. We've partnered with large and small companies. Um, last year, one of the major partnerships that was announced with, was with Intel to um, start the first uh, associate's degree and certificate in artificial intelligence. So our, our faculty worked closely with their engineers to develop a curriculum, and this past spring we're at, we had our first um, cohort move through that, and um, it's, it's successful. Now, Intel is a worldwide company, and um, I think everybody in this call probably knows who Intel is and what they do, and you may even have a computer with that was um, partially built by Intel. Um and 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 so that's one example. And then we also do it at, at a small level. I've worked with um, a company here, for example, that um, probably has 300 employees, and employees um 50 to 100 uh machinists and you know they they win contracts uh through the federal government or they win subcontracts from places like Intel to manufacture components that an Intel might need so um that's another way that we do it but we've come to the realization that we're not going to be able to do this entirely on our own um i'm not so sure that the that that partnering with corporations and and large and small organizations is considered to be innovative, but there is some innovation involved in how we approach that and, you know, the outcomes of those sort of partnerships.
0: On January of 2020, Dr. Stephen Argonzales assumed the role of interim chancellor for the Maricopa County Community College District, one of the largest community college systems in the nation serving nearly 200,000 students with the support of 10,000 faculty and staff across 10 colleges. He has nearly 25 years of instructional and administrative experience in higher education. He served as the eighth president of Gateway Community College, one of the 10 Maricopa Community Colleges. Dr. Gonzalez has served on the National Community College Hispanic Council as an executive board member the Community College Survey of Student Engagement as a member of the Board of Directors, the Hispanic Association of Colleges and Universities, the National Institute of Staff and Organizational Development, and the Arizona Post-Secondary Education Board of Commissioners. He has recently published an article in the New Directions for Community Colleges Journal. This episode was recorded live on Clubhouse. Check us out at the FutureX Tribe. It was produced by the FutureX Tribe, Beyond Academics, and Bnext Global. Executive Director and Chief Moderator, Matt Alex. Edited by Bnext Global Media. Our music is by David Cutter. I'm Hector H. Lopez. We'll see you next time as we continue our discussions with the higher ed changemakers on the FutureX Podcast.